Welcome to Hot Lava Podcast. I'm Padres beat writer Kevin AC. And here to to my right, I don't know how it's showing up on your screen. Those of you uh, that would be watching this online, uh, maybe it's to your left, is my boss, Ryan Finley. Now, Ryan, this is the first time in, I think, 200-something episodes that I have not said my boss, Union Tribune Sports Editor, Jay Posner. Ryan Finley, uh, welcome to the UT, welcome home, and welcome to being a co-host of the ever-popular Hot Level Podcast. I'm very excited, Kevin. Thank you for that. It's uh, Yeah, I'm, I'm a San Diego native uh, Padre follower since I was a very, very little guy. And uh, before I took this job, I was a Hot Lava Podcast listener. Did not miss an episode for years. And when they offered me this job, they said, you know, so do you think you still want to, you know, host the podcast? I go, well, that's why I'm taking the job, man. Come on, of course. So I'm very excited to be talking Padres with you. Um, and man, good timing by me, huh? This team is oh. interesting and relevant and expensive and interesting. Did I say interesting? They're interesting. I mean, um, let's get right into it, man. I want to get right into it, but I do think, especially in San Diego, we we kind of know, like, uh, there's the, the Beat LA. We know how people, uh, you know, a lot of people, not everybody, by any means, uh, have turned their backs on the Chargers. We're very parochial here, and I want people to understand how much of a follower of San Diego sports that you've been the other day when I told Ryan Finley, my new boss, that the Padres were going to hire Scott Coolbaugh as an assistant hitting coach. He said, Oh, former Padres third baseman, Scott Coolbaugh. Scott Coolbaugh played 60 games for the Padres in 1991. That is the credentials that Ryan Finley brings to this podcast. Ryan, you were at, um, was it game four or was it uh, game five? Of I, was the- at the, I was at the elimination game uh, oh, wow. when the Padres eliminated the Dodgers, uh, flew in from Arizona. Uh, I come here from Tucson, Arizona, where I spent the last 18 years, Kevin, because I'm old of my life. Um, and I snuck into town for that game, flew in that morning, had to connect through Vegas. If you can believe it, the old Tucson to Vegas to San Diego, quick flight, quick flight, four hours. Um, and I got there and we were in like the third to last row behind home plate, upper deck. And it, you know, it was raining the whole time. It was Kevin, I've been to some stuff. You have too. Um, I think we can both agree that was for me, it was the top one or two special sports moments I've ever been in the building for just incredible, incredible. Absolutely. It's, um, you know, there was just a lot of, uh, organic moments, uh, the, but the bottom line is, because we've talked about it a lot here and elsewhere, we're like, we'll talk about it again as we get into like spring training and, and kind of previewing this season. But what that takes is winning. Like yeah. you can have all the neat moments, right? You can. And, and I think the Padres actually did a fantastic job. They had to because they stunk for so long. They mm-hmm. had to make Petco an experience. They did a right. great job. But you can't have games like that, experiences like that, if it's not the postseason or the pennant race, at least. If it's not about winning, if it's not against a rival, mm-hmm. uh, which, hey, maybe they're actually going to be rivals here uh, pretty soon, mm-hmm. the Padres and Dodgers. But the, that was special, and I'm, I'm glad you shared that because I just, you know, I do think it's important to people um, yeah. look, I, I have faced a little bit of that even though I'm a San Diego native uh, yeah. you know even though I can trace my back my fandom uh, to being uh, 12 years old and uh, you know all the things that were happening in the mid 80s with the mm-hmm. Padres when I came having been identified as a Chargers beat writer to cover the Padres mm-hmm. like Rightly so, man. We're a little small. We're a little big town or a big little town. We love being San Diegans and nice. and um, pe- people that are long suffering Padres fans. Like 
they take pride in the fact that they know everything about uh, you know, Scott Coolbaugh from 1991. And, and you're one of them. And I wanted to make sure people knew that. And all this long history, maybe the payoff is about to come. At least I would say, and you can argue with me if you want, mm-hmm. the most anticipated Padres season in history. No question. No question. I mean, you know, we you could talk about 98, but, you know, I think that, nah, man, this this yeah. is this is a much bigger I mean, just the, the the names involved, the star power involved, the fact that they showed last year that they can get there, right? That they can hurdle the Dodgers. This has to be, I mean, I would have argued that this was the most anticipated season in Padre history before they went and did two or three of the things that they've done this offseason. I know that we're going to get into that, but you know, the return of Fernando Tatis Jr., who I think just his presence and his, I mean, is there a magnetism there? What's what's the right word? He, he has an it factor that I think draws people, fans to him. You know, Fernando Tatis's return, um, the big names on this team, uh, the ability on this team, this has to be the most anticipated Padre season ever. Has to. Whenever would a team sign Xander Bogarts, a player of that level, and and with for that money, and it'd be almost like an afterthought. Like they go I like, mean, well, of course they did. Yeah, sure. Like like Juan Soto, Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis Jr., uh, Xander Bogarts. I don't know. Put them in any order. And look, we'll have plenty of time to address this, but we should say like Fernando Tatis Jr. has got to prove himself. Um, yep. He is supposedly healthy. The wrist about 90% at this point. And, and look, that that's that's plenty good. He hasn't started swinging yet, um, mm-hmm. and but he is expected to be full going spring training. But this is a guy who hasn't had a full season yet. He was hurt in both of the full 162 game seasons and he played all of a 60 game season. Right. Um, you know, there's a, there there's a lot to prove there aside from having missed the entirety of last year and the PED suspension at the end and he'll be back by the way on April 20th. So right. there's but but that guy speaking to your magnetism, yes. Look, they got plenty of other players. They showed last year they can have energy. I think maybe if we're discounting how important Fernando Tatis Jr. is to this team, we kind of like have forgotten something. Yeah, I have three little boys at home, um, boys who are far more interested in baseball when Fernando Tatis is playing. And and I can't explain it. it. I don't know if it's the way he dresses, if it's the way he carries himself, if it's the smile, if it's he's a superhero to them, right? And And I don't think that they're alone. Like, you know, I think that a lot of San Diegans probably love Fernando Tatis, warts and all, as much as they've loved any Padre short of Tony Gwynn or Trevor Hoff over the years. There's I will be interested, there. Ryan. Mm-hmm. I, 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 he hurt a lot of people, yeah. first and foremost his teammates, but sure. a lot of fans, he hurt them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he's – I think people are quick to forgive uh, when when you produce. Um, a, mm-hmm. a smart man on a very good podcast said once that uh, – mm-hmm. The guys in the clubhouse will forgive a lot if you go to the post every day and if you and if you play well and if you deliver for your teammates. Um, I, I think that was either you or Jay. Uh, for, well, for if it was a argument, smart man, I think we know who it was. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and, you know, I think that, yeah, he hurt a lot of people, but th- there's, I mean, he's the show, isn't he? I mean, he's the show. Well, okay, here's the, hey, regardless of whether that is the case, here's the beauty mm-hmm. of it. If that we can argue that, that, mm-hmm. that we could say, no, Manny Machado's the show. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Juan Soto's the show. And look, I know everybody, Juan Soto, it was, uh, I'm I'm reasonably sure I'm in the middle of doing this research. I'm reasonably sure that was the worst 52 game stretch mm-hmm. of his career. I'm, I'm pretty sure that when it all came out in the wash, that was, so understand that the guy still had a 380 on base percentage. Juan Soto will be better in 2023 uh, than he was in 2022 for that, you know, one third of the season. He's almost an afterthought. 
Like that's what's to me so crazy is, you know, we talk about Tatis, we talk about Machado, we talk about, again, some of the new additions that I'm sure we'll get into. Juan Soto, I mean, take away his time as a Padre. He's a Hall of Famer. Right. I mean, he's on a Hall of Fame trajectory in his career. Uh, I mean, not to quote Jay, Jay Posner, the the late, great Jay Posner. He's Ted Williams. Right. <laughs> I mean, he was he was on the, on that thing. And uh, but I think you're saying that without an air of sarcasm, whereas Jay, you Jay know, said it with sarcasm. Oh, you mean Ted Williams? Yeah. yeah. And, sure. and, and, and let's be honest, justifiable sarcasm to this point in that. This is a big leaguer who's, by the way, going to make $23 million this year. Uh, and what have you done for me lately? But right. yes, Ryan, there's a whole lot of stuff that says this guy at 23 mm-hmm. is on his way to uh, or is on a track. And that doesn't mean anything right now, but he's on a track for, for the Hall of Fame. So we've covered the big four and how like incredible that will be, especially mm-hmm. or how incredible we anticipate it to be, especially April 20th and going forward. If there was something else that you're... I don't know if it's looking forward to or that you mm-hmm. think about when you think about the 2023 Padres. What's the big question? What's the thing you think is going to be the difference? Is it, what pops to your mind? Nelson Cruz. I mean, designated hitter. Whatever we want, whatever we want to call him. Um, okay. You know, I have uh, 42 years of following the Padres under my belt, and I think we've seen a lot of guys at the tail end of their careers become Padres. Right? You know, when I saw that, there's a part of me that goes, "Is this Robinson Cano part two? Right? Okay. Robinson Cano was coming off of the worst year of his career, and people anticipated that he could turn it around and be more like the Robbie Cano that we had seen for 15 years before that. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, to me, that's the question. You know, this is. This is a team that needs that thumper in the lineup. And, and I think that they've been, you know, despite the power that obviously their regulars have, you know, we've seen them try to chase it with guys like Luke Voigt, right? We've seen them try to chase it with guys like uh, like Will Myers. They're going to need some production from that DH spot. And, you know, it's, he can't play, you know, I don't think Nelson Cruz can play a position. I mean, he is a DH by trade. Sure. sure. And he's a DH who um, he's a DH who's going to platoon with Matt Carpenter, who's 37 yeah. years old and who yep. had some real success last year. And look, this is people inside the Padres, this is people around the league um, had some success at Yankee Stadium, mm-hmm. which the dimensions are different than where mm-hmm. he'll be playing his home games. Right. Um, so, hey, if you have two guys, if if those two guys can be reasonably good. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Nelson Cruz, a semblance of what he was for, let's go, 13 years yeah, before, totally. before the last part of 2021 and then 22, which, by the way, he had eye surgery uh, this offseason, too. And, and he says that during mm-hmm. this time that he's been struggling, it's been an issue. Uh, ball was basically he was blurry, blurry right. vision up there. Sure. Um, and I'll say this. I think the Padres. Um, here's the deal. If this guy can face right-handers and be okay and be Nelson Cruz, a guy who's been through some stuff in his career, yep, is a values being a mentor, is mm-hmm. respected by other players. Fernando Tatis Jr., yes. For a million bucks, they'll be real happy. Uh, uh, Nelson Cruz and mm-hmm. and and you know I'm I probably have more questions about Matt Carpenter. I think that that's a fascinating story. A guy who was left for dead, who came back last year for the Yankees. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm fascinated, but they gave him you know what is essentially a two year contract, and that's more of an investment than Nelson Cruz. But you're right, the DH position, and I think that some of the comparisons you made as a longtime Padre fan, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you go. 
Oh, interesting. Signed the guy uh, at 42 and you're hoping he's going to, you know, find some of that magic. The difference this time is he's the uh, number 10 player on the team and it's 1 million bucks. He's not hitting third. Yeah. We're all losing our minds. Like, man, if Nelson Cruz is good, the Padres are going to be good. That's the difference now. And and I think that's what makes an exciting time for Padres fans. Absolutely. Absolutely. And (laughs) Kevin, you're going to have to explain this to me because you're the expert and I'm not. In what world is Matt Carpenter given a two-year, 10 million, possibly more contract? And is Nelson Cruz given a one-year, 1 million, show me kind of deal? How is, because in my mind, at least they're comparable. And if anything, everything before last year would lead me to believe that Nelson Cruz would demand He'd be the guy with a two-year, $10 million contract, and Matt Carpenter would be the guy playing to make the team. 42 years old and 37. What Matt Carpenter did last year, what Nelson Cruz did last year. Um, I mean, this is amazing that Nelson Cruz is playing at 42. Uh, And, you know, that's really something. And I don't think that – Supposedly, there were other deals that Mm -hmm. could have given him more, but all that's left for really Nelson Cruz to do. I mean, he has a borderline Hall of Fame case. Uh, Mm -hmm. Some things in his past might hurt him there, probably will uh, Mm -hmm. to some extent. But, I mean, we're talking about the the home run numbers, the uh, some other numbers that are uh, pretty incredible. But he's Mm -hmm. 42 years old. So I I, stop. By the way, stop saying 42 years old. I I feel so seen over here, Kevin. I'm 52. as a 42-year-old, I feel so seen when you go 42, war, yeah. I remember breaking being, down at 42. I remember being young like that, 42, and being <laughs> kind of, you know, oh, wow, you were just outside of that that range of like that was just when I became older than every single charger I was covering, right? Like point. there had right. been some guys in their late 30s still playing then. I don't think that yeah. happens in the NFL anymore. I don't even know. Is there an NFL? I don't I'm in I'm a San Diego and I don't really follow. Um, but but I remember that. Well, once you get to 52, you're like, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> it's, it's not important anymore. Age is sure. truly just a number. Um, I, we have a, this was sort of like a catch up podcast because mm-hmm. Jay Posner retired uh, in early December. We haven't done anything. We haven't talked about, you know, we didn't have an emergency podcast because there was no co-host really mm-hmm. uh, or for the signing of Xander Bogarts or, or anything else. Uh, winter, we didn't have a winter meetings uh, podcast. Uh, we haven't uh, gone over the signings of uh, minor league signings of David Dahl and Adam Angle in the outfield, mm-hmm. Pedro Severino, who probably gets a, Hey, he gets a small chance for those of you maybe not watching uh, um, live or, or uh, watching the video. I'm holding my hands out far apart like he has a mm-hmm. teensy chance uh, to, to make the roster. Uh, the the big thing is the four shortstop lineup. The all, the all shortstop infield, right? Yes. Um, you could argue you're going to have uh, five of them because you're going to have Tatis out there in, in right field. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's something we'll go over later. Tatis in right field, uh, Soto in left. What way does Soto play right field the first nine games or who's playing? Anyway, we'll go over the not the first nine games. Sorry, the mm-hmm. first 20 games uh, while Tatis serving his suspension. But what you've got is Machado's played a significant amount of uh, shortstop. He's at third. Xander Bogarts will be a shortstop at least this season. There's going to come a point when Xander Bogarts moves. Uh, Hassan Kim, presumably the second baseman, and Jake Cronin. Mm-hmm worth presumably the first baseman that's four guys who have played shortstop in the pros some of uh, a couple of whom have played significant time at shortstop one of whom was definitely the Padres best shortstop in recent memory defensively Hassan mm-hmm. Kim mm-hmm. Uh, I happen to love it I know that there will be people that argue that Jake Cronenworth's value is much less at first base mm-hmm. 
Oh, well, uh, mm-hmm. Xander Bogarts is at shortstop. Um, you know, Hassan Kim's value is less at second base. Oh, well, mm-hmm. uh, they, they, they have the big four. Who cares where they play when you have the big four? That's my take. Well, yeah, and, and, you know, again, durability and versatility, I, I really like, as the Padres have evolved into a, a team that, that it's trying, <laughs> for lack of a better word, the last five, six years. I mean, they've really gone out of their way, I think, to get these versatile guys who can play a bunch of different positions. I think that's the key in modern baseball. You cannot assume that your superstars are going to make it through the year healthy. I mean, look at Fernando Tatis. Look at Manny Machado. I mean, Manny plays hurt, right? Look at some of these injuries that have popped up. You know, having somebody like a Profar, who I think we initially thought would be bouncing all the way around the field and then kind of ended up in left, in left, right? Um, you know, I think that having that versatility is really going to help you. Uh, Hassan Kim, man, the second best season by war of any Padre shortstop in franchise history, correct? In 2022? Yes, largely based on defense. Lar- that's what I'm saying. Largely based on defense. But he Thank did you. raise his batting average almost 50 points, by the right. way. And is on or is on base. One of them by 50, both of them significantly last year. So that was big. Right. Congratulations, Hassan Kim. Thank you for that. Uh, now you're playing second base. And um, he, what's going to happen is there's I think there's going to be a platoon there. You're still going to see in Cronenworth at second. Right. Um, you, you know, Hassan Kim, velocity and velocity against right-handers, especially. Still um, a problem. You know, as long as you've got health. Hassan Kim will be sitting against uh, some power right-handers. Right, right. No, that's a great point. And and again, Kevin, something that I'm not sure enough people are talking about, and it's dorky, but the new shift rules mm-hmm. or shift restrictions, I think really do place a new emphasis on athleticism in the right side of the infield, right? You look at a guy like Cronoworth, who's essentially a shortstop playing first base. Hassan Kim, who's a shortstop playing second base. Uh, that's that. There is going to be a premium on athleticism there starting this season. I think. I think that's fair, and I do think that you know theoretically the Padres uh, they they had the athletes and the, they have the athletes in the infield. There are some really good good defensive teams mm-hmm. that the athletes they have aren't that great. Their shift really helps. Right. The Padres, you know, they use the shift not as much as others. They're athletes. I think this is going to help them playing more. Look, there's still going to be some shifting. Uh, you have two players on each side of the base, and and uh, they got to start on the dirt. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But I do think this this helps them, especially if Bogarts. You know, can be as good as as he was last year at shortstop. Um, uh, again, still familiarizing myself with him, but but so I don't want to tell you too much about what kind of defender is, but the reputation right. is it's not great, but that there has been improvement there. Mm-hmm. It's always weird, Ryan, by the way, to do these in the middle of the season. I want to every topic we're touching, mm-hmm. I want to expand on, but it's too early to be doing that. Right, right. Those are all separate podcasts as we go through the season. Adding to that real quick about athleticism, you may have the best athlete on the field playing right field. Right. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's that, that's fair. The best. Uh, yes. Now, there's a thought that based on he's the best best athlete. So so let's call that ability. But what ability doesn't he have? Durability. Durability. Durability uh, is an ability. Yeah. So so yes, and there is a thought by those that are making this decision that a side benefit. It's not why they're doing it. They're doing it because they have all these shortstops. But a side benefit is Mr. Athletic won't have to show all that athleticism, diving all over the place, being like 
right like this and moving every pitch, right? He, he won't have to do that. That'll be good for him. You know, Will Myers always said that he felt more engaged in the game playing first. Absolutely. Right? He, he loved being close to the action. Is there a concern within the organization that putting Fernando, your franchise player, even on a team of superstars, your franchise player, putting him 300 feet from the action may not be a good thing? I mean, is there some thought that he may not be as engaged pitch to pitch simply yes. because he's not so close to the action? Yes. And whenever I talk about that and how the organization feels, let's talk about there's never, and I do mean never, mm-hmm. a unanimous consensus. All right. right. But, um, so I'm not saying, oh, the Padres are concerned about this. Right. They would be silly to not have discussed it and to not want to address it and see how they can make it not so based right. on any players more engaged when they're in the mm-hmm. infield. Tatis two years ago, who, by the way, was in a much different place, at least you mm-hmm. hope and it does seem, is was in a much different place mentally and physically in 2021 mm-hmm. when he was out there playing the outfield. But mm-hmm. what you saw out there was a guy who was not all that engaged. Though I have asked him about that and talked and written about it, and he has somewhat vaguely referred to, hey, I was in a different headspace then. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Okay. But still, if you're the team and you're mm-hmm. troubleshooting, yes, the answer is yes, there is some concern to that. But there also is a belief slash hope that this is a more mature Fernando mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that, hey, this is your position now. It's not like even in 2021, it was like, well, we're going to move you back and forth. In his mind, he was still a shortstop in 2021. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and you have and, and to say we're moving you to the outfield because Xander Bogarts is a Padre now probably yeah. resonates a little bit more than it did. I couldn't even tell you who was playing who was playing short two years ago when they well, moved him to the outfield. Kim was there. Kim, Kim was there. Cronenworth okay. there. Cronenworth was a heck of a shortstop. Yeah, he was great. Yeah. Yeah. You know what else resonates? Um, all that he's done. All right. Mm-hmm. Like, like, even if you're going to give him the benefit of the doubt, even if you're the biggest Fernando Tatis Jr. fan, right? Um, he's guilty of some some things. Okay. He has put mm-hmm. the team through some things. So he wasn't going to have. He didn't want to have shoulder surgery. He had it. Why? Because now the team has the upper hand, and he is has to be somewhat a little bit more, you know, amenable to what the team wants. Mm-hmm. I think the same can be applied to the outfield. I think Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to be more inclined now. He appears that way to me. I've only talked mm-hmm. to him once um, in in recent uh, times here, mm-hmm. uh, but he appears that way to me to be. Uh, more amenable to the outfield, as in that's that's what I'm doing. We'll see. And that, and, and by the way, and not to get into old stuff, but I thought that that was a stroke of genius by the Padres in real time. They could have tried to claw back some of the money that they were paying him. They could have tried to, in some way, try to get something out of him. And in exchange, I, or they didn't. Instead, having the upper hand has allowed them to get really what they wanted out of Tatis, which was to have the shoulder surgery he didn't want to have, right? Mm-hmm. And to be maybe at least a little bit more amenable to changing position. If you're going to give them credit, um, it's that that they did push forward. They did take advantage of this time after the suspension and say, you know, to some extent, put the hammer down finally yep. and yep. say, this is how it's going to be. Initially, back on the wrist surgery, the motorcycle accident before 2021, the thought was, we're not going to take money. This is our franchise guy. We, mm-hmm. we need him. We need to have a good relationship. Taking money, by the way, he was making $5 million last year. The big money doesn't start till after, uh, well, 
I should. I was just about to say until after Manny leaves, it's time for another podcast and another story. But Manny might opt be out, this opt year. out the podcast. Uh, yes. Big money does not start until two thousand uh, after two thousand twenty-eight. Manny's final year uh, of the of the ten-year contract. Uh, so taking money away from Tatis now wasn't really worth it financially, and it wasn't worth it relationship-wise. Sure. Taking money away from him in August after the suspension, the precedent had been set that they didn't take it away before right. they they couldn't have. But to then to say all right, you know what? And I've never seen AJ Preller as mad as he was. I've never seen him as adamant. I've never heard him say anything close to um, a negative uh, mm-hmm. about Fernando Tatis Jr. as he did on August 12th in Washington when the suspension came down. And from there, they did what they had to do. You're right. They said, Fernando, you're going to do this and you're going to do this and you're going to do this. Um so I think uh, that's big. one thing I want to get to before we go, mm-hmm. Brian, we try to keep this thing to under 30 minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. We've been all over the place today. We've talked about how exciting it is. Mm-hmm. One thing I'm watching that I think mm-hmm. is crucial because the starting pitching last year was so healthy. Once Blake Snell came back mm-hmm. uh, after four weeks and aside from Mike Clevenger, but mm-hmm. oh, wow, you had – uh, uh, Mackenzie Gore and you had Nick Martinez to fill in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so even though Clevenger was kind of up down in terms of health, you had plenty of arms to fill the innings, the 900 plus innings that are necessary for a successful starting um, staff. This year, you don't. You have you uh, Darvish. Fine. Let's say. Let's assume. By the way, full health, which Darvish and Musgrove have shown, um, and you know Blake Snell for the most part has shown. But he doesn't throw a lot of innings. So let's sure. assume one, let's go tops, 190 out of Darvish and 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 Musgrove, who threw 180 mm-hmm. last year. Um, let's assume 150, which um, he hasn't done. Blake Snell has not done since his Cy Young year of 2018 when he had uh, 180. Right. Right. After that, Seth Lugo, something like 65 innings or something last year, hasn't thrown 100 since like 2017. Nick sure. Martinez threw 106 innings. They need to figure out how to fill innings. I guess the good news is so does every team for the most part, except the Astros and maybe the Mets. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the Padres starting pitching was so good. Even Sean Mania, guys, almost 160 innings. And there was some really good starts in there early in the season. Early, early, especially. Get that third pitcher that throws 160 innings. You're, you're, there have been plenty of years, and there still are plenty of teams where their top pitcher throws 160. Um, Adrian Morahone, maybe it's Jay Groom. Um, you know, what, I, Weathers is Ryan what I mean. Weathers, weathers? Is yeah. counted on to make some starts this year. Is it Reese Kinnear? Is it Pedro Avila? Um, so you're going to need some other guys. I don't think from the start they're going to have the luxury they did. Maybe they will. Maybe Adrian Morahone's going to be back to 2000 uh, before this uh, the injury, 2021 level, where, the hey, this is a really good number five starter. Maybe they can go six starters. I don't think so. But they're going to have to use seven, eight, nine way more than they did last year. They had seven pitchers make at least 10 starts last year. And then they only had five other pitchers throw one, start one game. Five pitchers started one game and the rest were done by seven starters. I'm in the middle of my research. That's how I fill my days now. I'll have a story kind of detailing that, how rare it was for what the Padres did last year. To me, I'm going to call it the number one concern. To me, you can, let's say Trent Grisham hits uh, 200, Right. And that's, Mm -hmm. by the way, a 12 point increase from last year off the top of my head. Uh, 
I think you can hide that in this lineup. I don't yep. I mean, like it's I'm not saying that's good. Um, and there's other questions. Who's the catcher? But to me, the big thing, where are these starting in where are these innings coming for the starting rotation? As long as the Padres have been signing guys in their mid 30s and early 40s, I have a suggestion. Free agent pitcher who's still out there is Zach Greinke. His numbers were really good last year. ERA of under four, goes to the post, innings eater. I was going to say, could be your uh, Mania this year. He could be your five. He could be your five. And, you know, I read something the other day about a possible reunion with him in Kansas City. He had pitched okay with them last year, and he was thinking of coming back. And I believe they were talking a base of about $5 million plus some escalators. Man, $5 million bucks and right now. you now, man, this longtime Padres, um, you know, follower. Uh, sure. That's the other thing is now, like, I, I'm not going to call you a fan anymore because, right. you know, being in journalism tends to take the fan out of you, right? Like, mm-hmm. I have no problem telling you that that I grew up a, a Padres fan. Mm-hmm. Then you become a journalist. You end up, I cover the Dodgers, the Angels. I cover the NFL. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up a, pa- a Chargers fan. It takes sure. the fan out of you. But I'm going to call you a longtime Padres follower. Get a little greedy now. You're going to forget the $30 million payrolls. Uh, I see. It's, uh, yeah, I, I always compare them to uh, to my family, which is, <laughs> uh, we have, hold on. We have a history. To this to, hold, on, hold on, hold on. We have a history together. I love them very much. I will complain about them to anybody who asks. <laughs> you know what? A great, you know? a great yeah. definition of being a fan. Uh, it's a, <laughs> I, I, I love it. I love it. Um, all right, everybody. This was the the first podcast of the uh, Finley AC era. Shout out to Jay Posner, by the way. Godfather he, he, of the yeah. Hot Lava podcast. Um We'll be back. Uh, Ryan, what do you say we do this the week before spring training? We'll break down uh, all the kind of the the storylines of spring training, which are – you know, kind of the storylines of the season, but not really, you know, mm-hmm. right? We'll talk about uh, the catcher competition. We'll talk about the starting pitching uh, mm-hmm. competition, the bullpen competition, who's the, the bench competition, all of these awesome things we get all excited about. And by the way, WBC throws a awesome. wrinkle into spring training. Yeah, it's going to mm-hmm. be amazing. The U.S. Mm-hmm. team stacked. Then you look mm-hmm. at the Dominican team and you go, how can anyone beat them? Wow. But the WBC throws a wrinkle into it for teams, and especially like the Padres who have like – Six, seven marquee players can be gone. You're going to see a lot of these pitchers be able to start Cactus League games. You're going to see Brandon Dixon try to work his way onto the roster. You're going to mm-hmm. David Dahl, Adam Engel are going to get a lot of time. Um, so it'll be it'll be very interesting, at least for the hardcore followers. Uh, some people just be waiting for uh, for spring. Now the the Padre fan who got a little spoiled last year is going to be like, oh, I'm just waiting for October. Um, yeah, Ryan, thank you very much, and uh, we'll. Talk to you guys later. Have a good one.